Today's episode is sponsored by an upcoming movie called If. We don't go to the theater a lot as a family, mostly because it's tough to find a movie we're all going to like, but If is one of those movies. It comes out in theaters May 17th. I saw the trailer the other day, and we ended up watching the trailer multiple times to check out all the different imaginary friends that are in it. Some of them are what you would think an imaginary friend would be like, a nice-looking monster, kind of. But other ones are so random, like this one that's a knight and one's a dragon and one is just a banana. And it gets wilder, too, but I'm not going to spoil it all for you. The movie is about this girl who can see imaginary friends, and she goes on this magical adventure to reconnect forgotten imaginary friends with their kids. I know me and my kids are going to enjoy going to the theater for this one, and the cast has tons of our favorite performers like Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph, Matt Damon, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt. John Krasinski wrote the movie inspired by his own kids' imagination to be funny and exciting for all ages. It looks like a real slam dunk. The movie If releases in theaters May 17th, and we are totally going, so check it out. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Stories Podcast. I'm Phil Bechtel. Today's episode is sponsored by Kevin Lovegreen. Kevin is an author who writes early chapter books about the outdoors. I've read two of his Lucky Luke books, and they are an awesome choice for any kid who loves to be outdoors, camping, and fishing. Click the link in the show notes and use promo code KIDSTORIES for a great discount. Now on to the shout-outs. First up are Fox and Philomena from Berkeley, California, who have invented milkshake powder, which makes everything taste like milkshakes. That sounds awesome, and I'm wondering what happens when you sprinkle it on a milkshake. And Kirk from Canada, who was born with removable antlers that shoot lasers. That sounds like fun, but just make sure you don't become a supervillain up there. With great power comes great responsibility, Kirk. Oliver and Theo, brothers from San Francisco who live in a beehive. I figure if you're small enough, a beehive might be a nice place to live. You get your very own hexagon apartment. And you know what they say, hexagons are the bestagons. Thanks for listening, Oliver and Theo. Alice and Nora from France, who were blasted with a shrink ray, but they didn't let that keep them down. They are now the rulers of the entire ant kingdom of Western Europe. Great job, Alice and Nora. Hugh and Faye, seven-year-old twins living in Vietnam, spend their free time teaching water buffaloes how to surf. I think that is so cool, you two, and I wonder what animal you'll teach to surf next. Zamir is a patron from Silver Springs, Maryland. He says he has a time machine, and he knows how this Stella's Journey series turns out, even though I don't. Awesome, Zamir! Now, on to Stella's Journey, Part 9. Stella and her crew left the island of Burrow and headed for the island of Golden. Now this time they were returning large wooden crates filled with gemstones and bars of brightly colored metals and jewels. All of these valuables were probably worth enough to buy a fleet of ships. This trip was quite uneventful, though. They returned the merchandise and the citizens thanked them. The crew was not invited for a dinner in their honor. They were not showered with gifts and praise and that was okay with them. A good night's sleep and a quick resupply, and they were back on the water, headed to a place called the Valley, a place none of them had ever been. Remind me what we're returning to this place, 
said Captain Stella as she examined a map up on the deck. Well, I'm not exactly sure, said Emmett. It's a bunch of electronics and stuff. I can't tell what it's used for, but it all looks pretty advanced. The map here shows that the town it was stolen from, a place called Power Up, is inland quite a bit, mentioned Stella. We won't just be sleeping near the docks for this one. We'll have to travel into the island a bit. Eleanor and Gordon, prep some overnight bags for our journey. Emmett, can you make a few days' worth of food for us? Clover, here's the map. Continue this course here. And Jude and Elliot, you two come with me to the hold so we can pack up all these electronics. And so the crew got busy preparing for their visit to the valley. Stella and her crew arrived at a small port town in the valley called Little Village. Everyone was gathered on the deck with their backpacks laid out and ready. All right, crew, Stella began. There are too many electronics here on this ship for us to carry all the way to power up. So we're going to leave it all here on the ship. We'll get to power up and figure out who all this belongs to, and, and then we'll bring them back to the ship to get all their stolen things back. The crew figured this was a good idea since they were already weighed down with their travel gear. They locked up the boat and began walking along a small dirt road further into the island of the valley. It was a nice day, and the crew was happy they weren't getting rained on. Based on the map they were using, the town of Power Up was near the middle of the island. Since they were traveling on foot, it was going to take them two days to reach Power Up. After many hours of walking, they stopped near a small forest and set up camp. Each crew member had their own tiny tent and they lined up their tents just inside the trees not too far from the road. After a good night's sleep, they continued their journey. Halfway through the day, they stopped at a small village for something to eat. They were very tired and very hungry, and the first store they passed in town was called Hooper's Goofballs. They had no idea what a goofball was, but the sign said they had food, so the group entered and promptly sat down, giving their legs some much-needed rest. Stella approached the counter and asked, Hey, what's good here? The man behind the counter answered, Well, goofballs are our specialty. That's what most people order anyway. Perfect, said Stella. Lots of water and some goofballs for me and my friends, please. The crew sat in silence for a bit, some of them even nodding off waiting for the food. A short time later, the server came out with their food. A plate was placed in front of each person, and even though they were all quite hungry, no one started eating. On their plates was a big, lumpy, gloopy, ball-shaped brown thing. It, it, it looked like a giant meatball covered in shiny dark brown gravy. Is this a meatball covered in shiny dark brown gravy? asked Emmett. Nope, that there's a goofball, said the server. I guess I should have asked when I ordered, but... What specifically is in a goofball? asked Stella. Well, let's see. It's a candy bar melted down and shaped into a ball, dipped in chocolate, wrapped in cotton candy, dipped in chocolate again, rolled in sprinkles, dipped in chocolate again, dusted with powdered sugar, dipped in chocolate again, rolled in cereal, dipped in chocolate again, slathered in peanut butter, dipped in chocolate again, dipped in caramel, dipped in chocolate again, dipped in chocolate again, dipped in chocolate again, with a cherry on top. But we ran out of cherries. Sorry about that. Once they established that these were not mystery meatballs covered in weird gravy, they dug in and gobbled up their goofballs. And since they were going to be on the road for a while, they each ordered a second goofball and, you know, 
It was always nice to support the local economy, so they went ahead and each ordered a third goofball, and because, you know, they had never even seen a goofball before and thought maybe this would be their only chance to get one, they ordered a fourth goofball. And about halfway through the fourth goofball, they realized that eating this much sugar was a terrible idea. But they didn't want to be wasteful, so they went ahead and finished them. It was tough, but they did get back on the road to power up. I think I'm sweating chocolate, said Emmett. I am truly unwell, said Clover, holding her belly. I have a chocolate goofball baby in my tummy and it's angry said Gordon. Yeah, that was maybe one too many goofballs, said Stella, but just a few hours of walking and we'll be there. The rest of the trip did take a bit longer than expected. Everyone was walking quite a bit slower with bellies full of goofballs, but they eventually reached the town of Power Up. A large, brightly lit neon sign marked the entrance into town. As the group walked down Main Street, they saw electronics everywhere. All the stores had lighted signs in the windows. Robots lifted and carried and worked. Solar panels reflected sunlight from every roof. And citizens from all over were milling about, shopping for new technology. Uh, hey, Captain, where do you think we should go? asked Clover. I'm not sure. Just keep an eye out for some place that looks official. You know, a town hall or something, answered Stella. Soon they noticed a building with a big sign that read... Power Up Tech Center. Well, said Stella, let's start here. The group entered and were met by a shiny metal robot that said, Hello and welcome to the Technology Center of Power Up, home to research and development leading to many scientific advances. How may I help you? Uh, well, uh, I think we're just looking for someone in charge, said Stella. Of course, one moment, please replied the robot, and it walked off out of sight. Soon, a smallish, oldish man in a white lab coat shuffled into the room. And you wanted someone in charge, and I am in charge. I am Victor, head engineer of Power Up. What do you need? The man said. Well, it's kind of a long story, I guess, but the short version is that we have a pirate ship that was filled with stolen pirate stuff, and we're returning all the stuff, and included in all the stuff was a bunch of... We don't even know. A bunch of technology, and the name of this town was stamped on the crate. So we're here to find out who to return the stuff to, said Stella. You have a pirate ship? asked the man. How do you just have a pirate ship? Uh, well, I guess. You, you know, you could say we stole it, answered Stella. But we figured they were evil red pirates and we're good guys. And we decided to return all the stolen stuff. So that kind of, you know, kind of makes it all right, I guess. Fred pirates, you say? Asked Victor and his eyebrows raised up and he looked at the group a bit more closely. No small thing to defeat those guys. They are bad dudes. And yes, there was a very important shipment of technology stolen recently. And I suspect that's it. It is very honorable of you to return the things. Do you have some with you? Well, no, answered Stella. It's all back at the ship. We didn't want to drag it all here without really knowing who it belonged to, but we can just take you back and pick it up. Ah, yes. Take me back and pick it up. Of course. I will bring many robots to help us with the carrying, and we will contact some ninjas to accompany us just in case, said Victor. Ninjas? Uh... Just in case? 
wondered Stella. Yes, yes, just in case. Perhaps cave trolls and bandits wandering about on the way there or the way back. And the technology is quite valuable and rare. So we go first thing tomorrow morning as a big group. You will stay here in town for the night. Get some good sleep and meet me here in the morning. Good night, said Victor. And with that, he hustled back into his laboratory, mumbling some sciencey stuff. Well, crew, said Stella, looks like we're staying here for tonight. I, I guess we should go find some place to... I will accompany you to your destination. The Power Up Tech Center will pay for your rooms and meals. Follow me, please. The robot from earlier interrupted Stella and began walking outside. Uh, well, I guess we follow this thing, said Stella. They followed the robot outside and it led them to a lovely little hotel where they had wonderful sleep and a delicious dinner. But they all skipped dessert. The end. Thanks for listening, everyone. Now on to some corrections from the introduction. Not only did Fox and Philomena not invent milkshake powder, it turns out the milkshake powder doesn't even exist, which is kind of a bummer, but I'm glad you two enjoy the stories, Fox and Philomena. And Kirk from Canada does not have antlers that shoot lasers. He doesn't even have regular antlers, but even so, he's a pretty cool dude. As you may suspect, Oliver and Theo live in a regular human home and not in a beehive. Thanks for listening, Oliver and Theo. Alice and Nora did not get shot by a shrink ray, but there is a chance they are still rulers of all the ants in Western Europe. Hugh and Faye do not teach water buffaloes how to surf in their free time, but now I'm wondering if water buffaloes taught them how to surf. Zamir does not have a time machine, but he does have great taste in podcasts. And now on to some super quick, super awesome shout-outs. Luca and Johan from El Cerrito, California. Enjoy the show, and thanks for the drawing, Luca. You two are awesome. Kip is an excellent artist from Waipu, New Zealand. Thanks for the drawing, and thanks for listening, Kip. You're awesome. Billy is a writer and artist from Baltimore, Maryland. Thanks so much for listening, Billy. You're awesome. And Wyland Lyons submitted a fantastic drawing. You're awesome, Wyland. Visit the website kidstoriespodcast.com to check things out and send drawings and questions to kidstoriespodcast at gmail.com and access tons of new content at patreon.com forward slash kidstoriespodcast. Adios!